America's coked up Lambo cousin. Welcome to this week's Air Fuel Spark. We're taking a trip down automotive memory lane with an Italian catfish and an American turbo wedge with a twist. Let's get it started. Take four. Hey folks, how you doing? My name is Tim. Mike is right near me. Hello, hello. This is Air Fuel Spark, episode number three. Three, we're back for more. It's going to be called Whatever Happened to dot dot dot. This is part one of that ongoing series that we'll be doing. Uh, but uh, but first, let's like take a pause. Mike, how's your week been? How are you doing? It's been all right. I really can't complain too much. How is yours? What's going on in life? Great. Any, any you know, interesting uh, well, car stories of the well, week? Not, not interesting, but my wallet is a bit lighter, and yes. I have new rear brakes and a recharged AC, which luckily uh, the first hot day of the year came around. And I said, huh, this is not very cold air coming out of my car. So uh, my first AC, I didn't do it myself, but my first time paying someone to, to do a recharge, which is not very remarkable, but uh, nice to have cold air again. Yeah, absolutely. He said, just as the weather is starting to turn here, where it's gotten a little too toasty to roll around. Better to catch it now than on a, a four-hour trip to Maine when it's really hot. Oh, know, absolutely. So. And I like, yeah. we, were, we were talking a little bit, you were telling me uh, the, what the shop said, that, hey, it's pretty common, apparently. In and, Subarus, uh, yeah. It might last you a few days, it might last you a few years, so it's a He was like, yeah, Subaru, Subarus love to leak Freon, it's kind of their thing. Yeah. And I was like, oh, great. Uh, it's never been that good. Um, but it's good now, so we'll see how long that lasts. But uh, tell me about any car news for you, if you have any. Uh, nothing too too crazy. Mm-hmm. The the nine eleven is getting ready to head down to a buddy of mine in uh, North Carolina. Eric Lind of Sports Purpose Garage is going nice. to get the EFI dialed on it. I and heard then, of that garage. Yeah, yeah, and then it's gonna it's gonna be up for sale. Love so it. any of you listeners are looking for a pretty sweet eighty four hot rod. You know, I might be a bit biased, but it is pretty fucking cool. It is pretty damn cool. So, anyways, yeah. So we'll see, and uh, we'll be moving on, moving on from that, probably into another, well, simpler eighties nine eleven, and yeah. know, maybe some extra toys. Maybe I'll get that Land Rover that we oh talked about boy. in episode one. I don't know. We'll see. The electrics in that thing will be a whole new adventure, but yeah. it's, that's part of it. It's part it and parcel. It's will. fine. It's just part of it. We all accept it's, it. Yeah, exactly. So. Let's uh let's dive in a little bit. So we let's had a go. conversation this week. Uh, we were talking one about many. We had many conversations this week. One of them was was focused on started with focusing on video games of yesteryear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so one of them was Need for Speed Three Hot Pursuit. The original Hot Pursuit. The original Hot Pursuit. Right. I remember I had that for for PC. I think it was also out for PlayStation as it well. It was, which is um, a key detail for later on. Yes, absolutely. But uh, we were talking about some of the cars in that game. And one of them that popped up was the Atal Design Shigera. Yes. A car of yesteryear that, Absolutely. quite honestly, falls into the category of what on God's green earth happened to Atal Design? Yeah, and I guess because you mentioned it, I'll just go first with that car, and yeah, then we can go let's, into let's your... Let's talk about it, because it, it sent me down a path, and, and I, I yes, dug up we... something pretty pretty wild, but we'll, we'll get to Followed. that in a little bit. Many dark, well, not dark, but concealed and quiet paths in automotive oh, yes. history, on at least online. Over the past week. So, yes, I think we both drove this car in Need for Speed 3 Hot Pursuit on PC specifically. Because in the PlayStation version, there's a different car, which I should know what it is, but I forget what it is. I think it shared the windows of this car, which is a very odd detail. Uh, but anyway, it's a very obscure car uh, because it was, it was a concept car. It was never actually produced. It was a fully functioning concept, but it was never actually put into production. Um 
the note that I have here uh, is that it, it looked as beautiful as a catfish can look. That's kind of where I landed <laughs> with how to describe the looks. It's a That's gorgeous fair. shape. The lights are kind of odd. Uh, but overall, I think it's very pleasing. And just funny detail is that all of the cops in that Need for Speed game were like, look out for a Shagira, as if some cops in Nevada wouldn't know what that car yeah, right. is. Um, so that Half was the a- car guys playing that game didn't know what the heck a Shagira was. <laughs> in pursuit is- of an Italian design Shagira, look out for it. Um, so that's a cool. That's kind of how I, I I came to it because every six months or so I think of this card and I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, that exists, and then I forget about it, and then six months, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, and for for folks who want to actually like look this up and follow along, it's spelled S C I G H E R A. I tried about five times to spell it in Google, it didn't quite take. So now we finally got that. Uh, but effectively, it was a, an, an Alfa Romeo. It was designed uh, by Gujaro, I think is how you pronounce his name, a famous car designer, of course. He needs no introduction on the podcast, but maybe a future story for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it was actually based on the Alfa Romeo 164, which mm-hmm. was a luxury sedan, uh, I guess like a mid-range, like a three-series equivalent or five-series from the, from the 90s. Already a gorgeous car in its own right. Bit of trivia. Also, that was one half of the limo that James May made in Top Gear when he took two ha- two fronts of a car. He had that car and he had a Saab 9000, and he put those two cars together. That's so, a heck of a sandwich. So one day it would be a sensible Saab, next day it'd be a nice fiery Italian car. Great episode of that show. Best uh, of wonderful. Uh, so then the frame was carbon composite with an aluminum body or aluminium for our folks across the pond. And uh, the oil drive system came from the Alpha 155, which is also one of my favorite Alphas. I think, it, I mean, even though it's a relatively common car in Europe, I find it, in my opinion, one of the best looking of the range of Alphas. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about the Shigira. The Shigira. And again, we have, I've, I've covered the whole catfish look of it because it does, it is beautiful with some quirks, I'll say. Um, Nice Italian po' boy. Oh, man, so nice. And I saw, frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if the folks who made the Spiker C8 took some inspo from it because the shape is, like, broadly similar in some parts. Some of the gills look similar. It looks like they took some inspo from that car. There may be some homage in the C8. Uh, And the front was designed as an homage, that word again, uh, to Alpha's racing history in the 50s and such and 60s. and It had that little kind of snippet grill at the front, mm-hmm. much like the, uh, what was that, the Tipo 33? Yeah, for sure. And, and yeah. it had sort of, an at the time, and I guess also to this day, it had like a Formula One style front. It had air that would go through sort of the bumper. So it had that sort of F1 front wing downforce effect. A little ground, ground effects. Yeah. yeah. Nice. And... Very cool. Also, one more detail, which I just mentioned before, is that the windows, they were gullwing. So the doors would open conventionally, just they would swing out, but the windows would swing up on a motor. And if this car was made, that would break in six months. Let's just be honest. That's being very generous. <laughs> it's being very generous. It is. I'm just being honest here, folks. Come on, it's an alpha. Um, great cars. Love them to death. But that would happen. Anyway, so... What happened is not only was that kind of a cool quirk, but the windows could be taken off the car because they sort of swooped up into the roof line. So that would make the car into a T-top or a roadster, uh, mm-hmm. as they would call it, which is a neat little detail. And uh, good on you, Gajaro, for designing that. It's a very cool effect. And, okay, so all that's neat. Uh, the gas cap was hidden by the engine cover. So if you want to get gas, you had to pop the engine cover up, and it would yeah, be a bit like a awkward. Pain in the ass. I would forget about that. It would fly off on a, 
on the, you know, the, the highway or whatever. Oh, so, you know, that that's uh, a lot of cool quirks in this thing. But the engine, which is what we all want to know about, a twin-turbo V6 for 400 horsepower and 330 torques, which, you know, it, it, for the time was fantastic. That's pretty healthy. I mean, what, what year are we talking here? We're talking Early. 97, 98, thereabouts. Yeah, it's, it's relatively healthy. You uh, know, so not too far behind uh, a 911 Turbo S, which I know right. we talked about a few weeks ago. That was, I think, like 450 or 460. So, yeah. 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 That's, yep. that's potent. Yeah, it was good for a sub 4 to 60, which is great. Uh, good for 186 miles an hour, which is, you know, at the time, and even today, honestly, nothing to sneeze at, of course. No, not at all. It's a variant of the Busso V6, which ah, is a story yes. in and of itself that yes. we should cover at some point. Uh, it's often called one of the best sounding engines ever, point blank, not just in the six-banger realm. And uh, I, went on some, I went on some videos on YouTube, and I am highly inclined to agree. It's a gorgeous sounding motor it kind of went away in the 90s in favor of some gm units uh but the breakout performance of that motor was the alpha gtv6 which is also one of the few alphas that i've ever really wanted like i i acknowledge it's a wonderful car brand it's tons of history but it never really struck me right but that one, I mean, this one, of course, did, but as did the GTV6, which was, you know, that, that boxy, like, 80s, like, I guess they call it, like, like a shooting brake, was what it would Something be. Something like that. It wasn't quite, um, wasn't yeah. quite a wagon. No. It wasn't quite a hatch. Shooting brake. Sh- yeah, shooting brake. Yeah. 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 yeah, great car. I mean, Pretty cool looking little things. Yeah. And I'll tell you, all, again, all four, uh, all four wheels drove the cars, all-wheel drive. Uh, but that doesn't really matter because the car never got to production, as I mentioned. And uh, so why? Why? What was the genesis behind? You know, it's very scant details because the car they made was functional. You know, it could be driven and there's clips of, as far as I know, there, there might be a couple, like a few of them out there, but there are not many. They're, they are like, as far as I understand, fully functional concepts. So they can be driven to whoever is lucky enough to have one. Um, there is a carbon fiber uh, rolling body that was made for racing. Which, of course, has the giant rear wing on it and the livery and all that, but has no drivetrain. But plans to produce the car in very small quantities were scrapped. So, unfortunately, we never had a good look at the car in real life, but we can always go back to Windows 98, to Need for Speed 3 Hot Pursuit, and drive the car and get chased by cops in it. So, you know, all's well that ends well on that front. So, unfortunately... We can't go out and buy these, but uh, it lives in history at this point. Yes, so, it does. and in the minds of gamers everywhere. Absolutely. So I just remembered another car from that game. I don't think it was real, but you remember the El Nino? Yes, yes. You could do it. <laughs> you had to unlock that in a very specific way. I yeah, think, you had right? to, I think, become the most wanted. Yes, you had to unlock all the tracks. Yep. and become most wanted, and then you can get that car. And it was like a like a super high downforce, like stuck to the ground. Yeah, it was like ma- it was like all the stats and, and specs on it were maxed out. And I remember you could drive you could drive a regular one. Yeah, and there was also a cop version. Yes, and it was like you could right. catch anything. Yes, I recall now that you, now this whole this whole can this whole can's opened up. I recall being able to modify the game's files because they're all like .txt files. It's like modify how each car handled. This is this is going way in this the weeds. Is, yeah, this but is even above my head. This th- this could be a whole episode in itself. The uh, the old school uh, games of <laughs> how the I 90s. hacked Need for Speed. How I hacked Need for Speed Three Hot Pursuit. But um, anyway, that's the Shakira. So if you want to buy one, uh, tough luck, you can't. <laughs> but one car that you might be able to buy is something called the Vector W8. W8. Yes, let's go. America's coked up Lambo cousin. It's just I can just smell the Dracar Noir coming off this thing. Oh uh, yeah. So I'm gonna set the scene here. So it's about 1990. 
98 or 99 around there and made you know so not the 80s no so well I'll, I'll tell you the whole story on, but this is the first time i laid eyes on a oh, vw8 oh yeah you're telling so, the story oh okay oh yeah so we're we're, we're circa 98 99 um and there was when i was living in florida there was a a dealer called the auto toy store and they had anything and everything in terms of exotics. I remember one time I walked in there and they had Mike Tyson's uh, Diablo SV for sale and stuff. So, like, we're talking that kind of caliber of automobile. And so we walk in one time and there's this, I don't even know how to describe it. it it's kind of Lambo looking. It's kind of Ferrari looking. It's yeah. a, l- a lot of video game looking. It's got some, some Lotus a little bit. A little bit of Lotus in there. Um, it, it honestly looks like something straight out of a video game. It looks like one person wanted to build it. Yes. Which that, we'll, we'll get that, to that. <laughs> that gentleman was named Ger- Gerald Weigert, yes. um, who founded Vector. Who I, it was originally um, Vehicle Design Force, he mm. founded in 1971, after a, a fairly successful career in the automotive industry. Started as a design consultant at Chrysler and Ford. Yeah. And GM as well, I believe, but... I'll, I'll dive back into the history in a second. But it does look like a generic Matchbox car that has does. no brand. It does. You know? It looks like something One that... One of those offshoots. Right, exactly. <laughs> and I was just like, what on God's green earth is this thing? And it was just... It was so over-the-top looking. and Very 80s. Interesting. There was only 19 of them produced between 89 and 93. Wow. Um, it was... Yeah, the best way to describe it is it was America's coked-up Countach dripping in 80s, 90s swag. <laughs> <laughs> White suits. Powered by, it was a twin-turbo Rodec aluminum, six-liter, so a big old sucker. Yeah. Um, it was almost like a, a race engine in a way. TRW mm-hmm. uh, forged pistons, Carrillo stainless steel, Conrad stainless steel valves, roller rocker arms, like the whole nine yards, forged crank, dry sump. Um, it was also twin-turbo, as I mentioned. So, yeah. D two quote unquote D two optimism eighties optimism quote unquote detuned uh six hundred twenty five horsepower on eight pounds of boost but if you dialed the boost up to fourteen pounds this sucker would put out twelve hundred horsepower it's an F one car it's pretty much an F one car in um, power anyway except for this part of it and I I listen I'm not the most engineering savvy I'm not sure what this what led to this decision um but it was a three speed automatic. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> that feels like the budget's almost dry. Let's just get what we can find exactly. and toss. Oh, here we go. Three speed, fine. It was it was like, all right, guys, we got we got the engine dial and stuff. We're putting out 1,200 horsepower. It, it's, uh, it's like, what else do we need again? Carbon fiber and Kevlar monocoque chassis, aluminum honeycomb. <laughs> we're forgetting. And like, ah, shit, we we're got We're forgetting bucks. something. <laughs> we got 12 bucks left in the budget. What do we got lying around? You guys like, uh, I got my Oldsmobile at back. Let's just pull the three speed auto from that. The Toronado, wasn't it? Yeah, I it think. Was from, it was from a Tornado <laughs> yeah. or something like that. It was it was highly modified. but It, it was would a, have to be. Yeah, to take that much power. But it was a freaking three-speed auto. Yeah. And stuff. Like, yeah, we're going to compete with the gated Ferraris at the time. Good for drag racing. Great for drag racing. Not much else. No, not much else. So let's go back a little bit. So started by um, Gerald Weiger in 71 yep. mm-hmm. as vehicle design force. His goal was to develop the American supercar. Yep. Which, once again, why they landed on a three-speed auto, I don't know. <laughs> it was the 80s. It was the Different 80s. Time. Uh, he finally uh, finally got financed enough to, to kick things off. Um, and the first concept was called just The Vector. Yep. The Vector. Great name. The original, this is actually kind of interesting. The original intention was to have a rotary engine. 
Winkle rotary engine. Oh man, this thing gets just wilder and wilder. It's pretty wild. Price is going to be around a hundred thousand, so keep that hundred thousand, right, whatever. Nineteen ninety three, not cheap. No, um, the concept did appear on the cover of Motor Trend. It was originally the the Vector W two, mm. and then finally entered production as the W eight. Um, and they just yeah, so only nineteen were made, and there's a few reasons for that. Um, here's a, an interesting <laughs> sidebar. So in ninety one, so keep in mind they, they launched in eighty nine. Ninety one. Yep. Um, Andre Agassi orders one mm-hmm. and he returned it for a full refund mm. after the rear carpet burned due to an overly hot exhaust system. But <laughs> listen, I'm not going to blame Vector totally for that. Apparently he insisted on having this car delivered before it was fully prepared and ready. And Vector uh. said, okay, like we'll deliver it on the condition that the car would be kept in storage, yep. not driven until they were able to you know, finish some parts of it and adjust it for emissions to make sure it's road legal. Mr. Agassi, I don't think, um, adhered to that standard. And so ended up running the car as is, um, it's driving it, started to smell something. It turns around and sees the carpet is starting to smoke in the rear from, uh, from the exhaust system. Rude, rude surprise. Yeah, right. Exactly. And also in 91, um, car and driver said, all right, let's, let's put this thing to the test. And so Vector hands over three W8s for the test. That test was not completed on any of them because all three cars broke down. In different ways. In different ways, right. It's not like all three of them, you know, transmission got fried or, you know, the... We lost two of the three speeds. We lost two of the three (laughs) speeds or, you know, we lost the braking system or whatever. No, all three broke down in different ways. And so that test was never completed. Although Road and Track, I believe, did end up being able to test the car and Mm -hmm. said it was fantastic. Yeah, the one that worked. The one that worked. For that two-hour period. (laughs) All the stars aligned. So out of the 19, three were were given to uh, car and driver didn't work. One working one went to road and track. Um, And so, yeah, just interesting. Very wild. And you know, are you, is that like all your notes or are you going to keep going? Yeah, it's... Okay. Yes. Okay, because I just, one thing that I, I, that always struck me about this car is that like, the numbers, as far as like you know, the power is—it's incredible. But it only did like a fourteen in the quarter. It did. I think zero to sixty was in the fives. Five point seven. It must have been down. It has to have been down tuned. I'm guessing because this this was tested by Hot Rod Magazine in in ninety uh, seven in, in December. So who knows where where that was, what the weather was. But I mean. I was expecting, I mean, of course, you know, not like insane numbers. Like, I'm not, I'm not like tens in the quarter, but like a 14 flat is kind of a, kind I mean, of a letdown for something with that much power. Dude, that big of an engine. 93, 625 horsepower is yeah. nothing to sneeze at at all. And even no. if you, you, once again, if you, you bring that boost up to 14 pounds, you crank that handle off. horsepower. Yeah. That is, oh, that's like Chiron level. But I still want one. Oh, I still want one. Absolutely. <laughs> So you, you I mean, saw one of these in person for sale. I did see one of these in person for sale, and I don't remember the price back then. Um, and I'd have to look at what what they've been going for lately. I haven't you know, seen one trading hands at no. all. If I had to guess, it probably was going for way less when you saw it. But nowadays, if it you know if it was maintained, it would have fetched. Uh, it could easily fetch what like six hundred, seven hundred grand, if yeah. not more. Which is essentially paying for a giant bill to fix the car going forward. Because it didn't work that well back then. It sure as hell won't work that well now. Absolutely. And, um, I mean, I'm, I'm here on Bring a Trailer just out of curiosity. Yeah, and looking for one? Yeah, just looking for one. And the only thing they have on here is 
in February of this year, actually, uh-huh. um, Vector Aeromotive Sign and Factory Literature set. Oh. $27.50. Wow. Almost three grand for wow. just some literature as it relates to these cars. Oh, my God. I was right on the money. Literally. I'm on a link here from Sotheby's. Uh, there's a 91 Vector W8 Twin Turbo for $720,000. Holy smokes. Pur- nice purple color, too. Very beautiful color. Yep. Nice shade. God. I want one. <laughs> They're just... I mean, look at the, look at the rear end and that thing. Just yeah. the lights that go just across. Just pure Matchbox car 80s look. I love it. It's crazy. Down to the wheels, also. You know, I mean, I'm of the mindset of if, if I'm going to buy a car... I'm going to buy it to drive it. I don't care what it is. This one might be the exception. Yeah. Just in how often it would probably have to have maintenance. And it's cool looking. You know, uh, I would certainly drive it as much as it can be driven without having to, you know, constantly have it revamped. Or what you could do, you know, is swap in a different motor, different drivetrain. And just make a total Frankenstein. Which Different would, transmission, which, maybe. Yeah, well, start with that. <laughs> That's where I would start. <laughs> Give me at least a four-speed. Oh, yeah. Um, which which sounds like heresy to some folks, and if so, well, that's that, that's like your opinion, man. Um, I say just go for it and make a crazy build out of it. Do it. It was wild. It was it was the dream. It yeah. was the American. I mean, it was built to compete with, um, you know, let's say late night. So it was built to compete with the Testarossa sure. and the Countach and all of those, and just and be visually, it totally did. Oh, absolutely, it looks awesome. But here's an interesting one: a replacement windshield could cost up to twenty k. Yeah, Just well, they have to make one, one, I'm guessing. Oh, probably all custom. I mean, I, I feel like if you buy the car, you should get access to like, all the blueprints and designs so you can just at least fabricate a part if you had to. <laughs> 3D print something. Yeah, you, t- you could. Yeah. You, you could. You could do that for this thing. Um, numbers matching wouldn't be quite right, but uh, yeah, you could do that. Vectors, man. I, I'd love to see... I'd love to see what they would come up with today. And I mean, what's interesting is the company has never officially folded mm. um still technically exists out there although um mr weiger did pass away and i believe it was 2021 ah, dang. so they've kind of been in a little bit of of flux um until then but there was talks of designing and, and coming out with another car i know they were they had something in the works but um i think it would be really cool to see someone kind of come along and scoop it up and scoop it up and see what they could do with it with today's engineering prowess just and put stuff. in a better transmission please just a better tran- that's all you have let's just start <laughs> there let's start with a better transmission something better than a three you know speed. In, in my head i just saw uh christian von koenigsegg buying the brand yes doing something with that can you imagine what well, <laughs> sweet but then it kind if of, you're listening christian please do it vector bring it back <laughs> america wants its cooked up lambo to be finally finally brought to justice. Yes, bring it back. Bring it home, baby. Bring it home. Car, well, yeah. those are two awesome cars. I love it. Um, it's, it's bringing back the nostalgia, man. It'll be so cool. And I, I'd love to see one these days. See it here. Yeah. See it in the flesh. It might. Um, you know, know. N- never say never. Uh, if you go to like some... In fact, what you should do, I think you may have a conflict. We should check out Redwood. It's, it'll be back here this year in Philly. Yes. So I did see that. I'll be down to You never know. Might see a Redwood, might see a sorry, might see a Victor at Redwood. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool. I could see that. There's probably one hiding in like oh, sure. the Philly Philly suburbs. You yeah. never know. In some garage. Of <laughs> all the nineteen. Yeah. So there was uh there was nineteen made, two prototypes, seventeen yeah. for sale. So Damn. they're out there. Yeah. Nice man. Well, listen, we just talked about some awesome, awesome cars, and we're gonna shift gears a little bit to uh, a topic that 
I think rightfully uh, inspires some healthy debate and derision in the F1 community. But I think that you and I mostly agree on this. And those are F1 sprint races. I know, I know. Well, we're on that weird three-week break between Australia and, and Baku because uh, yeah. China was canceled. So. Yes, and I'm, I'm actually kind of upset that they couldn't at least try for like Malaysia. Yeah. The Sepang circuit is so awesome. Really it's cool. one of my all-time favorites. Yep, but same. You know, that's life. So I'm having those withdrawals, and then you're like, yeah, you know, it, it was interesting what, what the choice was for sprint race venues this year. Yeah. And I was like, God, I freaking hate the sprint races. I don't like them. No, uh, uh, the same. And I think, well, for what you just mentioned, I think that they, I think they pick tracks that have high attrition, which is annoying. But not just that, but also the racing isn't, well, the, the, the racing in Baku is pretty good. Yes. Yeah, that's super long straight. So that's actually an improvement. But you have high attrition yes. because you have the walls in a freaking castle, you know, right off of the of the, of the track. Um, but I think we agree in that, like, well, at least in my opinion, um, that they just don't pick the right races for them. But even beyond that, I just don't like them. I don't like the concept of it. You know, I think yeah. it's another example of doing it for the spectacle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, I know driver opinions are kind of all over the place. You know, I think towards the media, they'll put on a good face and, and which they have to, which they have to. But I think, I mean, it's just another, it's an additional inherent risk of the weekend. Yeah. I mean, and you got to really balance your, your like, are you, am I, am I going to go for it? Am I going to mm-hmm. hang back conservative versus an aggressive approach? Here's what I will say is I do think there's a little bit more of an inherent benefit for the midfielders mm-hmm. or, for cars that have a better race pace, race pace. than a qualifying yeah. pace. I mean, you're talking about cars that maybe in a one-shot or, you know, a Q, Q1 through Q3 may not have the best qualifying pace, but Sprint does provide them an opportunity to... They're good on tires. ...to move up, right. Yeah. But then, it's, once again, you still have an imbalance then a little bit in terms of aggressiveness versus backing mm-hmm. off versus right. conservative driving. Yep. So you have someone who's starting, let's say, seventh, eighth, ninth, wants to make mm-hmm. it up into the top five, and the top five is just like, I just want to stay here and not be yeah. in my car for Sunday. Right. And so, so I think you have a little bit of a different approach, which sometimes can lead to some mm-hmm. some pretty gnarly accidents. I remember, I think it was a sprint race um, last year. What was it? Signs got... It was a Signs and and Danny Rick, I think, got into a tiff at, mm. at corner one in Imola, and okay. it was just it was a perfect example of... Uh, you know, being a little bit overly aggressive, or yep. I think signs is looking for more sure. Towards Sunday, Danny Rick knows. You know, I gotta get that McLaren shit box as far up the order <laughs> as I can. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, they had the right. there was contact at corner one, both cars out and drop yep. back. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think it, it's interesting because I think depending on what team, what driver, there's a, a vastly different approach to it. But I think overall, I don't think drivers are huge fans of it, and no. it's just. I think that you've really hit probably the only benefit, which is having that risk-reward balance. Right. Even if we have, like, a total banger of a sprint race, like, overtakes this and that, the end of it still just dictates the order for the race on Sunday. Right. And there's not many points on offers. So, to me, like, when it, when it's done, it's like, oh, that was just, like, a fancy qualifying. Right. Like, and so, I, I get the excitement of a race, but it's very ephemeral. I get it like in just bits, bits and pieces about the sprint. And at the end, it's like, oh, that was okay. That just sets the grid. Like there's not enough excitement in my case to warrant having a sprint race. And beyond that, you have, like you said, teams who have, you know, not that big of a budget. 
and they right. could break their front wings off or they could just wreck the car. And you know, it it is in my in my in my take, it is made only for putting asses in the seats at this point. Oh, 100%. And I, I'm just I'm, I'm not into it. I just I, I wish I had more of a elaborate argument, but I think you don't really have to. I think it's pretty simple in this case. It's very binary. It's very binary and it's it's just it's additional risk, you know, yeah. for the for teams. And I think you you put it perfectly, especially for the teams that don't have the massive budgets or, you know, don't want to stretch their budgets like Red Bull cough cough. Um you have limited resources and limited dollars to spend over the year. I mean, I was just reading an article they summed it up. I think uh, Mick Schumacher did something like two million dollars worth of damage to yeah. Haas last year. Mm-hmm. So it adds up, and for a team like that, yeah, that's a significant. <sighs> Unfortunately, it was mostly Mick last year. But it yeah. was mostly Mick. You're right, but yeah. I mean, you consider all it takes is one, one accident in a sprint sure. race. Yeah, and you can do, you and can it, do some serious damage. And also, like you know, if it's early in the season and you have like a brand new upgrade, mm-hmm. what if that goes away and you have no more of that part for the weekend? Yep. And exactly. so teams, they can account for that probably and they can think of that, but it's just extra stuff. Now, this is a larger point, but I really wish that the races would actually race geographically. So have four races in here for instead of going like, you know, Australia to Baku to like across the have world. You, have you seen that graphic that actually maps out? It's, it's insanity. It's ridiculous. I mean, they're like, oh, yeah, we're trying to be clean. Well, start with that because all that jet fuel is the number one pollutant that you're giving off. Yeah. So make it more eco in that way but that's a whole different discussion um so point being not a fan of sprint races um although they did mention there's a possibility of there being a qualifying for both the sprint and the race in baku it's very tentative and they have the rules written out but i think as of as of this podcast recording it's still not set in stone if they're going to do that so essentially they'll have practice then two qualifying sessions, I guess one before the sprint, one before the race. I don't know how they're going to do it. That makes my brain hurt. I know. It's too much. They're just trying to do and But like, look, F1's a business, so they're going to do this. Right. You know, at the end of the day, it is great racing, uh, but they want to make money. Who doesn't? So they're going to keep trying new ideas to keep things fresh. But some things, like a Formula One race, is not broken. Or some things aren't broken. So in that regard, I am I am two thumbs down, emphatic thumbs down for the sprint race. I will watch them begrudgingly, right. but I am not really a fan. I mean, it's also, they're usually, what, somewhere within the 20 lap, or is that, I think, 100 kilometers? Yeah, Something that's like the limit, that. I think. Yeah, it's, it's a yeah so they're yeah. somewhere in like the 20 to 25 lap range. And yeah. I don't know. It's just, sometimes it's not enough. No. I you know. Yeah. Once again, you have like your first two laps, you have everyone scuffling, and then it's just like 15 laps of everyone just holding place. Like, okay, let me just stay here and yeah. think about tomorrow, think about the long game. It forces them to think more about the long game. Um, unless, so, once again, you have those guys who are just like going for shoot, it. Shoot, this is my only chance to yeah, get anywhere. I'm going to go for it. 10. Right. Yeah. Well, so here's a question for you off the cuff. What, if you had to make one change to the weekend structure to improve? you know, the excitement, which, ugh, but what would you do? I get rid of, um, three quality sessions. I go back to the 60 minute free for all. That's funny because I had a very similar thought. I had either that or a session where each car gets their own time on the track, one warm up lap, two or now. Yeah. Let's give them two full out quality laps. Mm-hmm. Just one car after the other. Yep. That way you avoid 
the the packing up. You avoid all of that traffic nonsense. Give each car its own time and ha- ha- give them like the onboards. Give them like a 3D or like not 3D, a 360 camera on the car so you can like control it with your F1 TV app. Yep. And just make that more of a focused, engrossing session than trying to give us two races. Yeah, I mean, because there's been... How many times have we seen lap traffic play into ruining a, a lap? And g- granted, sometimes it gets, in, it gets in interesting. Yeah. It's it kind of exciting. But other times, it's just like you you see lost potential. It's like, was it Monza of 2020 or 2021 where they all just backed up and then no one made it through? They all backed up through the Parabolica and then they all went at the last second and then it's like 10 cars, I think. That gets dangerous too. Yeah, they're all backed up and then like none of them actually made it. So right. like it, the time was done before they before any of the 10 cars made it through, made across the line. So it's a giant wah, wah, wah. Yeah. So um, that's what I would do. You know, instead of having a sprint race, make qual- now they did try a different qualifying session. What in twenty sixteen or fifteen, I think, and it flopped in the first race and it never came back. I don't remember that. What was what was the? I think they were. Tr- I think they were trying to encourage the drivers to set their fastest laps earlier in the session, mm-hmm. or they were trying to make the end of qualifying more exciting. But as a result, they all did their laps in the middle of the qualifying sessions. And then they, they would just park at the end. So you just watch the clock tick down from exactly. five. Exactly. That's, like, that's what happened. For the last one is just crickets. I think that was like a maybe at most two or three races. Then they just got rid of it again. Yeah, I I agree with the getting rid of that part. That's blah. But no, yeah. I would I would go back to the 60-minute free-for-all. Yeah, that um, was fun. It was interesting because, A, you'd have free choice of tires. So you'd see guys, mm-hmm. you know, coming back in and they, they'd swap to fresh, you know, fresh softs or whatever. They, they'd start out the session on whatever hards or mediums trying to gauge the pace. And then it'll be a mad dash in like the last 10 minutes. Everyone's on to fresh tires. Sure. And I think it could open up the opportunity for a little bit of the shuffled grid, mm-hmm. you know, cause nowadays you do see it to a degree with, you know, sometimes someone will sneak through into Q3 um, that's a little bit of a surprise, but I think when you have 60 minutes flat out, it's kind of anyone's, anyone's game, you know, and it could be traffic could play, could play into stopping someone's you yeah. know, fast lap. And then you get a surprise pole or, you know, you mm-hmm. get a surprise top three or something. But I think it just, it opens up the door for just a more fast paced, um, fast paced, uh, spectacle. Well, on a similar note, also track conditions can change. Yes. I mean, one one cloud going by the sun can change everything. So, yes. yeah, folks who time time for the weather. Uh, maybe there's a little drizzle. You, you don't know. So, all right. Yeah. So, we have either, you know, a full hour free-for-all or we have just each car gets its own lap on the track, which they do for the Indy 500, I think. Um, so, bring it back. I think it'd be interesting. Give it a shot yeah. for one. I mean, they're trying everything else. Uh, bring it back for one race at a time. See what happens. Yeah, I mean, do so an A/B test. Granted, I don't hate the Q1, Q2, Q3. Um, no, it's great. But it works. I think I think it'd be interesting just thinking back to yeah to when we've seen them do the 60, 60 minute free for all. Right. Cool. And the fact that they have all these viewers now who just like the current structure. Yeah. So why tinker with it at this point? Right. If it ain't right. broke, don't fix it. Exactly. Talking of that. Let's talk Bring a Trailer. Yes. Yes. There's some really wild stuff on this. I mean, there's wild stuff on every week, but... um, I'm trying to go, like, you know, one super exotic and then one, like, cool, normal car. Yeah, it's like, you don't even have to look that far, because there's just... 
so there's anything there. and everything. Yeah. So let, let's start. So you got we, something up here. <laughs> we have a browser tab up with uh, one of my choices. Yes. A 40,000 mile 1992 Honda Accord EX sedan with a five-speed manual in the correct, I don't know the name of the color. It's probably down in the listing, but it's a nice like turquoise teal. Oh, yeah. Which was the, in my opinion, the stereotypical color of this era of Honda Accord. Yep. Uh, this thing is Arcadia Green. Is that it? Arcadia Green. Arcadia Green over ivory cloth. Yep. 1992. I mean, tape deck. I could smell it. Yeah. Oh, man. I wonder if it has, like, the auto seatbelts, too. I don't know. But uh, this is... This car was, like... If, when I was a kid and I was first getting into cars, it was so common as to be ignored. Like, ah, whatever. You know, it's a Every, Everyone had one of these. I had a neighbor yeah. who had one. I rode in it God knows how many times. There's some in my gray. high school. And, uh, you know, then these cars, they kind of became tuner adjacent in the age of Fast and Furious. Yep. Because it was a Honda and it was cheap, they made tons of parts for these. And, of course, these were all modified with the giant wings and the underbody neon and the, the stickers and exhaust and all that kind of thing. And uh, to be fair, you know, it's a Honda. So you can easily swap the engine into something more powerful, beefier. Five-speed five right out of the factory is pretty cool. Yeah. But then that era kind of rescinded, as all eras do, and then these these cars kind of went away because they're getting much older now, and now we're at a point where you can get one for fourteen thousand dollars. This one didn't even sell for fourteen bits. Oh, it was bits bit to bit to fourteen. I don't know. I would have sold the car for that. But I'm uh, curious what the reserve on this was. Yeah, we'll never know at this point. Actually, go to the comments. Let's see if let's see if, they, if there's any insight there. Um, time and time again, I've seen comments like these. Okay, the people are just like you know saying why why didn't I get it. Um, you know, that's, it's an auction, you yeah. know, it's, you know, it's fine. Uh, I'm sure, I mean, I can't imagine this being more than like 15 to 17. That's my, I would guess it's probably somewhere in that, that yeah. range, maybe 15. So it's people arguing in the comments as, I mean, here it is. 15 forum. seems about proper for this car. Once yeah. Like it. I mean, yeah. yeah, listen, it's, yeah, it's low miles, but you really can't force a BAT curve on any given car by having a crazy reserve. I mean, this is, it's a cool car. I would drive it. It'd be a great daily. Um, I mean, they last forever if you take care of them. Um, so yeah, it I was like PCV valve. PCV yeah. valves done. Distributor cap, rotor. Yeah, keep it going. For fourteen grand, you got a solid car, and I would have sold for that price, honestly. But I like it. That's my niche car, or my my more average. Oh, look at the look car. at the armrest. Yeah, let's see. I'm telling you, man, the '90s, miss them. But this car is not from the '90s. This is a twenty. This is not. I didn't know about this car at all because I think we, you know, I think the loss of Top Gear as a show is what is what you know made me not even see it because this would have been on Top Gear hands down. I have um, no idea fact, what I'm even looking at. It right may now. have been at one point. I forget. It's a 2018 Lagonda Taraf, which if anyone in the Middle East or Europe is hearing this, you're like, oh yeah, of course. But uh, here in America, we did not get this, so of course. Lagonda is a brand that was it came around in the 1900s, early on, went through several hands, and was eventually purchased by the guy who bought Aston Martin. And so, by extension, it became an, one of like a submark for Aston Martin. Um, but before this, I believe that there was a Lagonda sedan from the 70s, 80s, I believe. Yeah, uh, I mean, you have you have the Aston Lagondas of the day. Yeah, and this uh, does pay homage to that because it does have that sort of look, and I think it's drop dead gorgeous. It is really pretty. I mean, they uh, Aston Martin. I mean, has put out banger after banger as far as car design There's goes. There's that really nice, like if you follow the lines. It's got an ever so slight swoop on the front here. Yep. I mean, the front end looks very classic very Aston. Aston. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. That nice fender grill there, and 
So this car was produced mainly for the Middle East initially. And when I say produced, there weren't that many. I think it was like single, single digits, I want to say. Yeah, 60, 60 examples. 60 examples, yep. Yeah, so... But this, that's over the four years of production. Right. And it was made for the Middle East, and then it uh, was eventually extended a bit to, to the UK and parts of Europe, I, I want to say. But it sold for $505,000. Wow. And the thing is, this was sold under the, under the show exemption. So this car in America can't be driven for more than 2,500 miles a year. Something like that. Let's see. This one was imported. Yep, imported under show and display and was actually modified in accordance with EPA standards. Yeah, it probably had to be. But I think even with that, I recall somewhere saying that it's no more than, yeah, I think 2,500 miles a year, uh, which, you know, I, I mean, that's a decent amount of mileage for a car you'll probably just bring to Carlin Coffee. Um, yeah, if this thing even gets out of the right out of the garage, oh, the even rear the end is somehow end, better. That like top part of it is straight off of an Aston. Yeah, and, and the fact that it, like it starts off high and it wedges downwards throws the exhaust. It's I mean, like a little God. bit of like Aston meets uh, Charger. Yeah, it, 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 it is kind of a Charger esque. Reminds Super me of a saloon. car from GTA Five. Kind of, it's got like it looks <laughs> just <laughs> like its real life uh, counterparts. Yeah, now, this is finished. I I don't recall again the paint color, but it's a nice classic Aston. Oh, satin jet black. Yep, over carbon C- fiber. Comes off as kind of gray in the pictures, but I would still happily rock that color. Um, I don't know much about it. This is kind of cool. I guess part of Aston, there's a Q division selection. Yes. The cost of eleven grand for this satin jet black, but that just brings me right to James Bond. Of course. Q. Yeah. yeah gotta absolutely. Love it. Absolutely. And it's a 5.9 liter V12. We go for 540 horsepower and oh, 465 yeah. torques. Lovely interior. Big mid-rear mounted eight-speed auto. Yep. Yep. Just cool. a, I mean, I like this thing. Just a real fine thing. And it's sold. Um, Stand out from a CMA box and other Super saloons. Yeah. And it's sold in Oregon, which is a pretty common state for these things, yep. I'm noticing. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That was actually in uh, in San Diego. Uh, yeah, the the Honda, I think, was in Oregon, which is also a very common state. But uh, I don't know. That's just trivia at yep. this point. But uh, those are my two cars. Now, you obviously have two in the slot, so take it away. Yeah, very, very different. Holy crap. Oh, I know. It's like a little Italian Woody. So it's I'm looking a at a 1950 old man. Fiat 500C Topolino Giardinera. And yeah, I mean, the best way to describe this is... A car for your garden. A car for your garden. <laughs> It's like a mini. I'm just seeing like potted plants in the back of that thing, you know. Exactly. Or pot yeah, plants. There's a little bit of Harry Potter vibes, <laughs> a little bit of a Woody vibe. Yeah. Um, very whimsical. Very, very whimsical. I mean, you know, everyone who's ever seen, it's funny. Everyone who sees, you know, a new Fiat 500 and then sees one compared to an old Fiat 500, I think the new ones are small. Like, holy crap! Go look at, go look at an original. It's like a Hot Wheels car in comparison. You know, I can see Jerry Seinfeld getting like Jim Gaffigan with this thing on his show for Netflix. <laughs> exactly. This is a classic comedians and cars getting coffee car. Absolutely. I mean, this thing, 569cc inline four, four-speed manual. So it's not quick, but it looks, it's adorable. That's the best way I can describe it. it is well, adorable. you buy the car, you don't want fast. You want it to just, you know, get, get you know, putt-putt around town. No, it's not even a... I can't even describe it. It's as suicide doors, yeah. but they're um, they open backwards. There's no you know two to them. Mm-hmm. It just opens backwards. It's the got, seats are low. The seats are low. The, the seats actually even remind me of um, 
of 356 speedster seats. My neck already hurts looking at yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, no no headrests and whatnot. Um, but this thing is is adorable. I mean, the interior, this like supple brown leather. It's got the wood on the wood paneling on the sides, brown, white. A lot white of brown. Wheels, a lot of brown. Tons of brown. White wheels with the hubcaps. Um, two spoke steering. Oh, I will cry right. Look at the little fella. Yeah. It's like a hockey puck on the engine. <laughs> 16.5 horsepower. What a cute car, cute engine. It's that's that's the best way to describe this thing. It's just cute. Everything about it is cute. It's, it's funny. I would I would trust my kid with this car on the property. It's like a it's like a larger uh, what do you call like the Peg Prigos like the little like yeah like little cars in the nineties yeah. It's um, I'm pretty this this has got to be less power than probably some of the electric pedal cars that oh for sure kids, kids mess around with it's these got days. Got a diff so you could drift it on dirt. You could yeah, drift it. Use all sixteen point five horsepower. The auction actually ends in a minute and forty five seconds. It's it keeps going though. <laughs> I mean, the bids keep going up. We're up to nineteen grand for this. Where is it? Oh, let's see, Jacksonville, Jacksonville Florida. Florida. Uh, yeah, that makes well. It doesn't actually make sense. It doesn't strike me as a very Florida car. Kind of. It, it's beachy. It's, it is beachy. It's yeah, a it's beachy, beachy farmhousey. Yeah, beachy just, and farmhousey. Very outdoorsy. Very outdoorsy. Outdoorsy and a very small area because you cannot go on the highway in this. Take thing. your pet. Pet alligator named George in the back. Take your pet alligator in your little uh, your little Fiat. Throw some surfboards car. on the top and hit the beach. Yeah, drift it on the sand if you, you can. Drift it on if you can even generate any grip in these you tires. Can probably drift it like, briefly before it digs in. Right or flips over. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It, it doesn't look. It was the fifties. It was the fifties. So I love this thing. This is so we should cool. we should tab back in two minutes when it's done. Oh yeah, absolutely. We're gonna do that, but in the meantime, let's move on oh, to this sucker. I know. had to bring this one. Up. I had to do it. Got to rub it in. I had to do. It. And what's interesting? All right, so we're looking at a 2023 718 Cayman GT4 Say RS Vaisach. and so we know these things have been the hottest thing on the market. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting is I don't know a ton about the whole allocations game with these things. Mm. Um. I know Ferrari, if Ferrari saw this, you know, if this was a Ferrari and it was bought and immediately resold, I'm pretty sure you get, yeah, sued, blacklisted, uh, never again. I'm pretty sure Porsche looks, doesn't look uh, too fondly upon things like this, but I mean, look, it's 95 miles. This is just like delivery miles at at this point. Purchased new by seller, subsequently registered in Virginia. Yeah, 95 miles offered in Maryland (laughs) with a window sticker. Spare seat insert. I don't mean to jump ahead, but I'm seeing that it was bid to, bid and, to and the number is excessive. Yes. $251,000. It was bid to that. It didn't even sell. I mean, look at this. 191000 total price in 2023. So the fact I'm, that people are buying these just yeah. to flip them is just it's so infuriating. Well, so, I mean, you think about people who, for whatever reason, don't get an allocation, and you see something like this pop up uh, and say, all right, I mean, I'll throw X amount at it, but you know immediately... You're going way over sticker on this sucker. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, on top of that, a Wysock package as well. Yeah, got the carbon fiber really with green. the roof. and Blue the blue on blue wheels. Gentian blue. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that look. I actually, the one that I build on their site is that color with the uh, satin orum, like the, the gold wheels. Yeah. That's, that's a nice spec. That's the look. That's yeah. the look. I yeah. agree with that. But I mean, because you can still see the vacuum marks. The vacuum on the marks on the <laughs> carpeting. Yeah. I mean, I, I love... I love these Cayman GT4s. They're my favorite um, right now. I would love to own one one day down the road. Yeah. They uh, are I know it won't come cheap, but really cool. Um, I daily one. Oh, yeah. Probably not on the streets of Philly. It's probably not a great idea, but that would be 
You know, Great. we we both watch uh, the Topher on YouTube. Uh, shout out Topher, um, and he has a, a drive in this car recently in California, and I had that on loop the other day at work, just oh, yeah. hearing that nine thousand, and then the last five hundred RPM is where it just screams at you. Yep, because the air box effectively goes to the cabin. So you get yeah. the air suction and just that tremendous noise from that motor. Uh, and it has the white gauges too, which is, I, I prefer the guards red gauges, but I didn't buy the car, so I can't really decide. <laughs> right. Uh, but uh, nice spec. I would probably swap out the blue wheels for the satin orums. This is kind of interesting. 3D printed oh. body form, full bucket driver's so seat. So it was designed for someone else, effectively, because as far as I, right. as far as I know, they actually measure you for the, for the seat, right? That's interesting. I didn't know that. Don't they? I don't know. I think, well, if, if not, I mean, because I guess maybe it has, if, if not that, maybe it has like a memory sort of uh, material. But, um, well, it said it comes with a, a spare standard seat insert and accompanying transport bag. So, yeah, it sounds like it might be yeah. being measured to someone. Pretty wild. I mean, this thing's beautiful. I can't even imagine what the comments say. Oh, God. About I'm, it being bid. I'm sure it's so much talk of the so allocations. 60 and, grand on oh, the easily. asking price. Let's see what this Fiat sold for. Let's see. Oh, it's still going. Oh yeah, because when you bid, it adds time. Within right? the last two minutes, yeah, every bid adds another two minutes. So this thing is up to twenty three grand. Twenty three grand for a little garden car. For a little garden car, I love it. It's pretty cool, I gotta it's say. Cool. I, I would call it Herbert. That's what I would call it. Oh come on, it's not a VW. That's a Herbert. It's it's got a it's got a, a bit of a German face to me. Oh, uh, that's fair. It has that's like a, a big chrome mustache. A big, <laughs> a big chrome. <laughs> Look at it. It does. <laughs> It's got those big beady eyes. Happy, happy Herbert. At you. Happy Herbert. Happy <laughs> Herbert the Topolino. It's an adorable little thing. It's pretty cool. I mean, we'll see. I'm sure to the, to the stars and the moon for this sucker. Yeah. All it takes is two people who want That's it. Who if, want Sir Herbert. And someone gets a good payday. Absolutely. Well, I think that's it for today. We are coming up on the last corner. We are <laughs> just, crossing. Oh, we are crossing the finish line. You I knew know, we I had gotta, to do it at some I point. I got to find something else new. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's almost like, it's almost a bit cliche for a car podcast. Who would have thought? It's cheesier than Herbert's little smile. Yeah, it's a little, uh, little chrome mustache. Well, thank you all for joining us for another episode. And uh, see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye.